Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right. Hello, hello. Hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your Baron of Brewskies, and uh, master mixologist. So excited that you choose to join us today, every Saturday, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, right here on 570 KVI. Hey, pleased to announce the new launching of, uh, or the launching of our new website. It's uh, happyhourradio.net. Check it out. My friend Stacy Edwards is a, a master web designer, and she helped me uh, with a new look, a new feel, and all of our great shows are now listed online at happyhourradio.net. Check it out. You could do, uh, we got 63 shows in the can and uh, all good stuff. So excited that you are joining us live. But if you ever miss a show, don't forget happyhourradio.net. And you can check out our Facebook page at Happy Hour Radio. Well, today is uh, May 30th and um, Saturday night. We're coming up on June and uh, looking ahead, I've got the Rose Revival. It is a Officially pink wine time, and it's uh, rosé is, is the new hot thing. It's it's a welcome to be back from uh, the wines from Provence, the wines from Washington, Oregon, um, or else Italy and Spain. But uh, some great rosé around. If you want to try rosé, check out Rosé Revival. It's June 18th at SeattleUncorked.com. It's out at Ray's Boathouse. There'll be lots of pink, uh, lots to drink, and lots to well to soak in that view, and uh, lots of good food. So Rosé Revival, June 18th, right. Right now, I've got a special guest. Um, you know, when the uh, liquor laws changed here in Washington State, we had a, a, a big mad rush for lots of people to buy all those old liquor stores. And, and some were successful and some were not. But I'm pleased to know that our friends at Downtown Spirits, Maru Balbayeva and uh, Shelly Fitzgerald uh, and their team put together a great store, great spirits, great wine, great ciders, great beer, great sparkling, great everything. Check it out. It's at 7th and Denny. And right now, I want to welcome Shelly Fitzgerald. Welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So um, let's talk about, uh, you're a wine professional. I've known you for a couple of years. And uh, tell us how you found your passion for wine. Where are you from and how you got into wine? So I, uh, I'm from California originally, from the Bay Area. And uh, you'd think that that would have been, you know, all I needed to to do to kick me off just right for <laughs> you know the, Sonoma, a wine career Santa Barbara, yeah. <laughs> exactly but we actually my husband and my kids and I had the opportunity to move to London England when our kids were very young and at that time my degree was in sports medicine and my husband had said you know you have uh, you're not gonna you know work don't don't work don't get a work permit but what would you do if you got a do-over and uh, we met in college when we were 20 so you know you kind of have your whole path going you know exactly what you want to do for the most part <laughs> idealist <laughs> yeah and so then I uh, I said I want to do something with wine so I had the opportunity I met this woman who was incredible she owned her own wine business and I asked her if I could just volunteer if I could do any kind of work for her and and you know in order for you know her to you know take me to trade tastings and you know just share her knowledge and and it was a match it made in heaven her palate was unbelievable 
she took me to the most incredible trade tastings. I don't know, uh, in London, they have these tastings where it's like three, 400 Bordeaux producers that would be there. And it would just be, it was just unbelievable. Well, the Bordeaux and have a lot to thank to the English for uh, shipping their wines do. and creating the whole claret craze. Yep. They sure do. And, and that's so, great advice for any prof- young professional who wants to get into the world of wine. You know, go intern, go, you know, get some experience, you know, volunteer, because no- knowledge is really the best uh, comp- uh, compensation. That's what you want, because always. a $10 job doesn't mean anything if you're not learning anything. You know what? That's exactly it. And then when she kind of realized I was pretty serious, she's the one that encouraged me to go get a certification. And uh, the Wine and Spirits Education Trust is actually based in central London. So then I went there, I did that and loved it and we moved back home of course I went back to my old job in sports medicine and my husband called me out he said you said you were going to do it and I'm like I know but I was so afraid to take the leap because I wasn't sure if I was going to love it and what uh, year was this this was in 2006 five six so then in 2007 I actually went for it and I stood up in front of the quartermasters and and became certified at the uh at second level and so, yeah, so since 2007, I've been just, you know, 100% in. Where was that test taken? This was in Santa Clara. Oh, okay. Yep. And oh, so nice place. It was it was pretty great. Yep. And you had the master sommeliers come in, give you the whole exam, and it was fantastic. And then we had the opportunity to move here, which I thought, you know, it was Microsoft came calling. I thought it was Microsoft in uh, California, and it turned out to be Microsoft Washington. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up moving to Washington, which was unbelievable because we uh, we live right by all the tasting rooms. And when our realtor had taken us to look around, you know, for homes, he's like, oh, so you're in the wine industry. You're going to want to live by the vineyards. And I was like, uh-oh, where is he moving us? Yeah, really. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the Puget Sound Appalachian vineyards right. uh, over in Bainbridge and up north a little bit. But right. uh, certainly I know. east of the Cascades is a long commute. It sure is. So, yeah, so then I then I actually was fortunate enough to um, to meet some people at South Seattle. So I, I do some teaching there. And then I met up with a couple colleagues who were opening a wine store, and I became a wine buyer. And then about 14 months ago, I made the switch over to Downtown Spirits to do their they're wine buying. That's a very exciting. It's a nice story because obviously um, the epiphanies in our lives, whether it's uh, what we thought was our passion early on, certainly can change. And it's exciting to have a, an industry that is obviously on the uh, upgrowth, uptick. And um, in 2005, Washington State was on the cover of Wine Spectator for the first time in the history of Washington State or, or Wine Spectator. Right. And that was really our big kind of like, woohoo, we made it. We're somebody. We are here. What of a Dr. Zeus movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, you know, you didn't, like, even being in California, you know, you didn't hear all that much about Washington. And then, you know, having the opportunity to move here, I could not believe how incredible the the wine industry is here. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite familial, and uh, everyone is generous with their knowledge, especially what we'll say the uh, original guard, whether it's the Bob Betts or the Rick Smalls or uh, the Figgins family and the, even the Quilcita Creeks. And, you know, we, it's so cool to see them become the champions, the pillars of our industry who have, you know, put us out on the on the international map. And, and exciting to see uh, the next wave and the next wave sort of gain notoriety for what they're doing. And, and uh, our, you know, having Washington State University involved with viticulture here is 
is uh, paramount to our future success because really you need a big background just like the University of Bordeaux um, or the University of Dijon and things like that. They have great, great uh, academians and and people who are knowledgeable about the local um, industry. Yeah, and I think that, you know, earlier you kind of you kind of mentioned that the people who um, like the forefathers, but that are so kind and generous with their knowledge and, you know, just just really there to support the the newcomers, you know, to this industry. Yeah. And I remember this story. Everyone thinks that Shadow Saint Michel is the big behemoth, but really they are the. Uh, uh, they are sort of the eagle that it, that sort of leads the way. Um, you know, I mean, I found Chateau Saint Michel wines in Shenzhen, China, when I was there for a wine competition. It's like, wow. holy smokes, they're everywhere. Whether it's New Zealand as well, so pretty exciting. And uh, I remember one year when we had a big freeze that Chateau Saint Michel sold grapes to a lot of the wine wineries around the state just to help them because they understand that. Uh, um, we need diversity in the marketplace, and um, San Michel has got all that. But if if we can't have diversity, and they still make great wine, which is pretty exciting. So, um, have the pleasure of speaking with Shelley Fitzgerald, who's now the wine buyer at uh, Downtown Spirits, located at Seventh and Denny. And let's talk about Downtown Spirits. Tell me about your hours, uh, your website, and then we'll dive into some selections. Okay, great. So our hours are uh, ten until ten. Monday through Saturday, and wow. then Sundays, 10 until 7. 10 to 10. Yep. All right. Yep. And we have parking, which is That's pretty important. much unheard of. I know. Thanks to our leadership in Seattle. I mean, who knows what parking is more? Exactly. And the selection is, is just fantastic. It, um, How many SKUs do you have there? For the wine, over 1,600 now. Oh, wow. I know. And it's it's hidden. It's a hidden gem, I feel, in Seattle, because even when I had heard about the buying position coming open, I had uh, pulled into the parking lot, and I sat there for a second, and I thought, no, this this can't be it. And sure enough, it, it it was it. And all I had to do was walk through the doors and then down this ramp, and my whole world changed. Yeah, it's, it seems like a small store at first glance, but really that's just the, the main floor where they have the spirits. And then below um, is probably... 2,000 square feet, 3,000 square feet. At least, yeah. And we now have a 10-tap growler bar. We, you know, are in the process of getting, you know, a tavern license. So we're able to, you know, pour full pints and also wines by the glass. That's great. I know. And it's great because it's a a large enough space that we can host. Like tonight, actually, we're doing the, um, or um, we're going to have like some winemakers in town, you know, doing some some really good, you know. So you have tastings on Saturdays? Yep, we sure do. So most of the time it's Friday, but um, we do Friday complimentary beer and wine tastings, five to seven o'clock. And then uh, every once in a while, if we have somebody great in town, we'll be doing a Saturday uh, Excellent. Where tasting. can people find sort of the ca- calendar or uh, the listings of your upcoming tastings? On our website, it's downtownspirits.com, and then there's actually a link where you can click on calendar, and it'll list out all the events and you know who's who's um, pouring. And we do a lot of educational, uh, fun classes now. We've have uh, Thomas Price come in and do a clono Pinot Noir tasting. Thomas Price, Master Sommelier, who works for the Jackson Family Estates Group, and uh, great guy was the winemaker, the uh, wine director for the Met Market, owned a couple of restaurants, and uh, 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 great educator. So that's cool. Yeah. Can you opt in for a calendar announcement or for emails to sort of see some of this stuff? Is there a, a mailing list or email list? There that sure you can get is. Out? Yep. There's actually a spot where you can actually sign up for a mailing list on our website. 
and then you'll get notifications every week about, you know, just the current events, what's happening and, you know, and so it's kind of nice to stay in the loop and, and see, you know, all the great, you know, things that are coming through. You yeah, know. especially now in the summertime when the days are longer and the nights are light and uh, you can get in and still enjoy the rest of your day. Or even in the wintertime when you got nowhere to go right? and it's raining. <laughs> Pop on down to 7th and Denny, Downtown Spirits. Well, you, t- you told me you have 1,600 skews of wine. Um, that includes sparkling still, red, white, pink, and sweet, and uh, I'm sure some fortified wines. But how many beers you had? You had a huge beer selection. It's a huge beer selection. We have John Olkin as our beer buyer, and he does a fantastic job. So the the 10 uh, growler bar tap system is always rotating. And so he's very, you know, conscientious of the season. But gosh, for beer selection, he pretty much covers every region you can think of. And then he has a very large cider collection there also. There must be four or 500 beers, I There imagine. has to be at least. Yeah. Yep. Great selection, um, domestic, international, and, and hard to find stuff. Um, do you get your allocation of Pliny or Pliny the Elder? We do. <laughs> we do. It's in and out like lightning. You I'm know? sure. Yeah, lightning strikes. You <laughs> yeah, know. for the it, most part. There's always a singed mark <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at exactly. the store. I know. And spirits. How many spirits do you have, you think? You know, we have a, a really large spirit selection also. Um, I'm, not as, I'm not as up to date on the spirits that would be Maru's category for sure but we pretty much cover it and we've even done some fun auctions you know that we've had to do and we've had like the Ardeberg release and we've you know had all kinds of you know different you know like kind of select allocated I noticed some great whiskeys and whiskey is the hot thing these days whether it's bourbon and single barrel and uh, rye whiskey and you know even the Canadians and Irish are getting into the game to produce different stuff and as far as the whiskey goes you see tequila trying to become whiskey now with all the new oak and all that stuff well so fun chatting with Shelly Fitzgerald who's the wine buyer at uh, Downtown Spirits that's downtownspirits.com and the cool thing is they're open 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. so if you ever need a late night uh, you know you got to go to that party or you want to go um, woo that guy or gal, check out downtownspirits.com uh, and uh, just head out down that park at the free parking at 7th and Denny. So when we come back from this break, uh, we're going to try some of the great selections that our wine buyer here, our resident wine buyer, Shelly Fitzgerald's, uh, procured for us. And I'm excited about that because I get to taste blind. And uh, these are the wines you can buy now by today here, May 30th. Um, if you have any questions, send us an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. And if you are on the Twitter sphere, tweet, tweet, tweet at Happy HR Radio. So stick around, we'll be right back. Lars Larson has the real story. Weekdays, 6 to 9 p.m., only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Talk Radio 570 KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, uh, it's round two. Time for a second round here on Happy Hour Radio. So excited to have uh, Shelly Fitzgerald, the wine buyer, for um, one of Seattle's really cool. 
packed to the gills, uh, overflowing with goodness. It's uh, Downtown Spirits at 7th and Denny, and Shelly's in studio here. She just poured two great glasses of wine, and uh, really some of the signature wines from California and from Washington, which we have in common. Uh, these are our Rhone-style blends. So, Shelly, let's talk about this first wine. It's a 2013 Syncline called Subduction Red. What's in this glass? So this one is one of my all-time favorite Rhone blends from Washington. It is a kitchen sink blend, as I call it, because I feel like there's so many grape varietals that make up this blend. But it is primarily Syrah. Then you have Movedra, Carignan, Cunois, Grenache, and Cinso. Interesting, because I'm wondering where a Carignan is growing in Washington State. I mean, who's got it? It's got to be maybe five, ten acres max. I it's can't so imagine there's limited. a lot. Yeah, and uh, James uh, Mantone and uh, his lovely wife Poppy are the proprietors for Syncline. I believe they're probably on their 12th vintage this 2015, I think. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. right about there. And yeah. done great stuff and always been focused on uh, the Rhone blends for the most part. I don't know that they do a Cab or Merlot, right? They're you know all what? Rhone. No, I think that it's all Rhone and they're very, you know, conscientious with being very organic and, and when they actually, you know, they have really great relationships with all their growers and they're very much in the vineyards. I don't know where St. Klein is. Where are they in Tri Cities or? No, it's actually considered the Columbia Gorge. Okay. ABA. Oh, right down there. Yeah. Interesting. So there's a bunch of wineries down there, and uh, I know Domaine Pouillon is down there, and I think White Salmon is down there. I think WT Vintners gets their wine, but they're up in Woodenville. Very cool. So um, the 2013 vintage, warm vintage in Washington State, and obviously when you are uh, growing a variety of grapes, such as in the red varieties, the Syrah, Morved, Senso, Cunois, and Carignan, uh, the key is to maintain uh, balanced acidity here. And I put this wine in my mouth. It's absolutely delicious. I, I, I There's a great polish to this wine. Uh, Syrah base, so you get the dark um, blue and some purple fruits, but then you get some exotic spices. And and tell me what you taste in this wine. I feel the same way. Like, I love the base of the Syrah for that really fresh, big fruit, but the Movedra ends, adds this spicy component that is just so beautiful on the finish that just makes you want to keep you know, taking another <laughs> sip. <Keep checking. laughs> well, that's a good hallmark for any great wine, is right. Do you want to take another Pretty sip? Much. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I just love what they do with with the blend. You know, just because it is, it's so easy drinking and very food friendly. So it's not so so you know rich that you feel like you have to completely compare it with a big steak or something really heavy. You could have this for you know with a with a variety of you know barbecued. Yeah, it's a great summertime wine. I like that it's in uh, screw top. I think that's the way to go for easy access and easy closure, too. I think sometimes getting that cork, whether it's a young wine, especially because most of us drink young wines because it's, hey, this 2013's out. Exactly. Pull that cork out and you can't get it back in. (laughs) Right. So screw top always fits. And uh, I got to say that the uh, Subduction Red, the 2013 Syncline, um, has a lot of complexity here with those, uh, uh, obviously, layers of flavor, layers of spice. The oak here is just very faint, maybe... 10% 10% new. I mean, just a touch. It's just really a small. Dash. Yeah, because it just adds a, just a fuller mouthfeel, but it's so silky smooth, you know, that that you just, you know, c- can't believe that you can just open it and pour yourself a glass and that we're already feeling like, you know, that it has that elegant com- Com, you know, component. It's to youthful it. and fresh, but it's not uh, not ready to drink. It's absolutely very approachable. It's um, it's delicious in this class. I'm really really impressed. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of wine out there, and to, to have a screw top, easy access. And what does this run at? Uh, this is my Spirits? favorite thing. It's about it's about a twenty dollar bottle of wine, and it it drinks like a sixty dollar bottle. 
It does. And speaking of $60 bottles, you have another uh, uh, comparison here or just another offering of the same style of wine, a Southern Rowan blend. And this is from one of the, uh, actually the the forefathers of American Rhone-style wines. I think they probably started the Rhone Rangers, Tablas Creek. And uh, Tablas Creek is known for um, what's... <laughs> confiscating or, or um, <laughs> they um, say they legally did it. <laughs> absconding with a couple of uh, twigs from a vineyard, uh, and that was from mm. uh, some very famous vineyards in the uh, actually Chateau Beaucastel. Yes. I think was in the Chateau to Pop. Yep. So this is a collaboration between the Perrin family and the Haas family, which owns vineyard brands, and they've been lifelong friends. Well, they own vineyard brands. They do. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And so they decided, you know, to collaborate together. And what they found was in this area of, of the west side of Paso Robles that the soil was so similar to that of the Rhone-style wines that they would, they're famous for their castle. So they um, had brought over the cuttings <laughs> legally. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and actually, they sort of changed the whole map of Paso, Paso Robles because Paso Robles was so famous for Zinfandel in that west side area. And then because of this discovery of soil and knowing that these varietals could grow so well there, they were pretty much responsible. And now they their nursery sells off to the majority of the area. And I feel like the majority of west side um, Paso Robles, so Highway 46 West, is now Rhone-style wines. So Paso Robles South is in California, of course. It's uh, south of Napa Valley, so a very warm area known for their heat units. And uh, just recently, I think just last month or so, they actually uh, applied and were uh, received um, the approval for I think it's eleven different a sub AVAs. That's what I heard. I I, I heard twelve, and 12. I was like, "Are you kidding? Way to way to give us 12. Before it was West Side and East Side, <laughs> North Side and South Side, right. but now I think you know when you have uh, a bunch of wineries there, and I think Tablas Creek started what in uh, the early eighties or seventies. Nineteen eighty five, and yeah. then their first um, vintage was nineteen eighty nine. Okay, wow, really that young? Yes. Interesting. Well, it it makes sense, and I know that there's other great wineries down there. Uh, Justin and uh, I think there's um, uh, one that starts with an A, but I, I can't oh, recall. Oh yeah, Adelaida. Yes, that. they have and Justin and they have so many great ones. They're they're they call them I the far Ravenswood out wineries. I think Ravenswood kind of makes wine from there. A lot of wine too. So Zinfandel has certainly been the hallmark and um, well deserved. Obviously, Zinfandel can yes. take a lot of heat. It takes a lot. Of, it grows wildly and uh, it always has a little bit of sauvage with that bramble and uh, blackberry and cherry kirsch and just a whole host of different color spectrum in that one little. Zinfandel grape. Well, let's talk about this. The 2013 um, Tablas Creek. What is this particular uh, label? So this named? one is their kind of more. It's their. They consider it their table wine. Kind of you know same price point as the Subduction Red, um, and it is 45% Syrah, 29 Grenache, 22 Mauvedra, and four Cunois. So very much the Rhone grapes with with the Syrah dominant on on this one. And this is called. Uh, Patelin de Tabla? It is. Oh, interesting. I wonder yeah. what that means. I know. I wish I should have I should have come more prepared and known the answer well, to you that. You know, de Tablas <laughs> means, oh, okay, so this is probably just uh, a, um, the, the, 
sort of a female patron of, of the Tablas Creek, sort of their blend. That's I'm making that up. Okay. Uh, I speak French, but we'll I, go I with don't it. know his name. <laughs> so um, I'm tasting this wine. Now, this wine is much, uh, much more old world in style. I think we get great ripeness of fruit and plushness and softness and polish with the syncline, which I t- thoroughly enjoy. The 2013 the Patelin de Tablas uh, Creek Vineyards is quite, I don't say rustic because it gives it the wrong connotation, but it's built differently. I, I agree. It has a more earthy texture to it. Like you get a lot of like, um, you know, dusty characters. It's almost a cherry flavor, you know, that instead of going just more of the, the big like blueberry, you know, the darker fruits, I get more of like almost a, a cherry um, on the on the finish with that. But it is definitely more earthy. You know, it reminds me of, you know, uh, growing up with uh, wonderful um, grandparents from Hong Kong um, and uh, who I adore and God bless them. They um, they used to have these great little snacks called the Chinese spiced plum. It used to be a dried plum and had this, this great resonant of sweetness and then a little bit of spice. And it just was very ethereal and something you could like, wow, there's tart, there's sweet, there's spice. That's very much like this Tablas Creek 2013. It doesn't have the sweetness, but there's this yeah. impression of uh, sweet fruit on the palate. Yeah, and it has a little bit more acidity, I feel, that's prevalent. Like, it's just a a lighter, yeah, a lighter bodied wine than the subduction. It is. I think that acidity and that tannin sort of dry the palate sooner so you don't quite get the the generous generous fruit through the the syncline. Great examples. I'm glad you brought these two wines because it shows that uh, both Washington and California, of course, uh, or I should say California and Washington, (laughs) they've been in the business a little longer than us, um, craft world-class wines. These are actually delicious. I'd be curious to taste the Chateauneuf to Pop version or the uh, um, Chiganda or whatever the the blend is down there. could be Cote d'Iron Velat. And I'm certain it would be probably, for most palates, probably the the third favorite. I think, you know, just knowing how they craft those wines and how uniquely terroir-driven they are, it just doesn't provide sort of that um, American mouthfeel that we really, mmm, this candiness, which I really like too. So um, we're going to take a break. When we come back from this break, we're going to chat about, uh, well, tell us what we're going to chat about. So we're going to chat about a really interesting cider from Sonoma. And then we also um, are going to do a grappa made from from uh, grapes from Oregon. So grappa is a, um, well, it's a distillate, which is uh, um, fermented from the pumice or the, the seeds, skins, and sometimes stems of the, uh, what's called, uh, well, the musk. What's when you press that cap for making red wine or, uh, yeah, red wine, actually, then you get a little leftover and somehow they learn how to ferment this. There's something left. They in sure there. did. They weren't going to waste. <laughs> yeah. So very exciting. When we come back from this break, we're chatting up with uh, Shelly Fitzgerald. We're going to dive into some uh, American grappa and some uh, rustic cider from Sonoma. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. The home of the great one, Mark Levin. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. 
All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. It's time for round three. We're having a good time. Hope you are, too, at home, uh, pouring something tasty, making some good food, and, uh, of course, drinking something special. So i uh, got Shelly Fitzgerald, who is the wine buyer for Downtown Spirits. That's downtownspirits.com, located at 7th and Denny, and they've got a, a world-class selection of wine, spirits, uh, beers, and, of course, cider. So... Shelly, tell me about this very lovely, cute little bottle. Looks like a little bottle, a baby bottle of Dom Perignon, to be honest. Yeah, this is called the Troy 2013. T-R-O-Y. And it is unfine, unfiltered uh, uh, California hard cider. So it is so fascinating. It's wild fermented, barrel aged, hand. um, They do everything by hand. And it is a old abandoned apple orchard that's probably 60 years old that they don't even know the the apple varietals for that has no human contact in the last 60 years that they actually found on a on a motorcycle ride that these two friends were on and they decided to just you know harvest and make some of their own cider and I guess the first year that they did it they could only reach the apples on the exterior so the next year they actually had to actually cut through to actually be able to harvest some of the inner um, Interesting. So Troy apples. is uh, the name. Is that the cidery? It's, the name of the cidery? It's actually one of the the winemakers or the cider makers that discovered it. His name's Troy Carter, and he's partnered with Derek uh, Throwbridge. And this is like one of the most unusual ciders that I've ever had. It it is wild yeast fermented, and it actually is very yeasty. Yeah, I can look at it. So, um, first of all, the, uh, it's a lovely package, and I think that's uh, 375 or is that 500? Hard to say. Yeah, I know. It looks it, like 375. It is a little bit hard to say. Um, it looks like a baby bottle of Dom Perignon, so that's really fun. I like that that packaging. Uh, 500. It is 500. Very good, because I want more. <laughs> I yeah. want more. So, the color here for this cider is uh, very unique. It's, it's sort of a vibrant straw, a vibrant hay color. It's kind of got this electric pale yellow, which is odd. It almost looks like Gatorade. Yeah, it does. And it has just, you know, that that unclear kind of, you know, you can see that it's completely unfiltered because you can't yeah, see through little it. little flocculation there. Right. Little, little uh, particles. So, um, you know, knowing that, uh, ye- oh, I see I've got some yeast in my glass too. So quite, this is good. Lots of B12. Good for you. <laughs> um, certainly some vitamins, whatever apples have <laughs> as far as vitamins go. But the, um, you know, it's interesting about cider. So cider is typically made from non-grocery store s- apples. I mean, you see, you won't get the, you might have a Braeburn in there, but really, or a Granny Smith, I guess, but not the Red Delicious or Golden right. Delicious or Gala or uh, Pink Ladies. None of that. This is really heirloom varieties, which provide, actually, they're kind of bitter. They are less sweet more acid and a little more tannin so when I taste this cider and I'm going to take a taste right now and tell me what you think I should be tasting here so on this one you should be getting like almost a sour you know note to it like you said it, it's going to have that that you know it's not going to be sweet it's going to be definitely more sour it's going to almost give you kind of that beautiful acidity like almost this is a little bit nutty but like a little bit of a pickled uh, you oh know. no, that's a good call. You know, it has uh, uh, just a touch of um, I'm gonna call it sort of the dill or yes. pickling spice or white pepper in there. Yes. Um, it's an exotic taste. Uh, the acid is just moderate plus. Um, it has just a moderate minus impression of tannin. It's 
all gr- uh, grape skin. It's all apple skin tannin. But here's what I get. This is really a Sauvage style uh, cider. You're getting the wild yeast in here, which means you have probably two or three different yeasts in here because the alcohol is not going to get that high, so it's not going to kill off some of these strains. So what I bet you get, there's just touch of a rogue yeast here. I think you get that that sourness is part of the uh, uh, the charm which comes from old world um, lambic beers and uh, just sort of the open top you know just you know God's gonna ferment this for us exactly. kind of thing so it has that sourness but it's very complex it really is like this is this is one for for you know more of the wine drinker that can appreciate the nuances of flavor yeah but still anybody that would pick this up would appreciate how delicious it is. And, and that- what's interesting too when you say the wine drinker is that um, rarely do we have this style of wine uh, I should say which is uh, low alcohol which is a 6.5 maybe. Yeah just a little a touch above. Yeah just a touch above. So basically this is very refreshing. You got acid you got tannin you got complexity you got some body you got uh, um, a little bit of yeast so you have it's kind of a, a, a more of a wet champagne kind of thing yes. with some tannin but really you can this is refreshing and it's also sippable by the glass so you, you don't have to get a whole pint of this because that would be difficult to drink a whole pint right. I think the 500 bottle is just gives you a great aperitif because you know in the heat especially this summer uh, this is a great sort of uh, entree into um, and plus when you you know you just had your first glass of wine or cider this is where you can still be thoughtful and go okay I appreciate <laughs> this now bring on the Quilcita right. Creek or whatever you know you're you know, which is probably too big for summertime anyway you need to bring on that Tablas Creek is what I meant there to say go. that's there it go. well what does this run here at uh, Downtown it, Spirits actually um it's pretty difficult to find and that's why it, you know i was excited to share it with everybody today but it runs about ten dollars retail well um there's a lot of you know people think cider is kind of a guzzle drink and it's, it's an alternative to beer it's gluten-free of course um but some ciders are what i'll say the elegant and esoteric and um this is more on the um esoteric side because it, it takes uh someone with an adventure to really appreciate it and i think this is clean but it has just enough sauvage that wildness to it that makes you think gosh where am i it almost takes you to uh normandy or um even the basque country of spain i feel that same way like i was surprised you know when i first tasted it that it was sonoma <laughs> well, they got a bunch of apples down there. Johnny Appleseed made his way down to Sonoma <laughs> County. Well, um, next up, you have a uh, grappa. So uh, why don't you pour me a, a sip of that grappa and uh, grappa. I should say grappa. <laughs> so, right, you got to get the accent. Did I sound Midwest right there? Give me some of that grappa. Yeah. So, the, for... so this sounds really fun in the sense that most grappa is made from from white grapes because you can get a little bit more of the oh, juice right. yeah, out of the not... pumice. But this one is actually Pinot Noir from Oregon. Well, that makes sense. So I thought it was fun. I know we're at the very end of Oregon Wine Month in May, but, you know, I just thought, ah, this is a nice way to to end the the wine month for Oregon on a little... Well, we rarely talk grappa. about grappa, and I think, you know, obviously grappa is an Italian word. It comes from uh, the, the pumice or the mark, uh, I guess mark is French, but pumice um, from Italian varietals. And uh, a lot of times they, they, when you do white wine, you're just 
gently pressing the grape skins because you don't want too much bitterness from the skin. So you have more sugar left over and more pulp, etc. So that's why they ferment that from white grapes. But what I find is that uh, each grape variety is typically um, very unique, very nuanced in, in its style. And I think there's a lot of great grappas from Italy. But what what I find is that a lot of those are hot and fusel, and people go, God, I have a headache because um, sometimes those old world grappa makers don't have a lot of uh, um, chance to uh, uh, rectify the heads and the tails. So they get a lot of the whole, you know, kind of the dark and mysterious spirits. That's what made. That's why it's called spirits because some of that stuff gets you crazy. <laughs> well, let's talk about this grappa. So this is from Clear Creek Distillery, and yeah. that's down in Oregon, of it course. Is. Steve McCarthy is the proprietor, and he's been doing this for about 20 years now, right? I think it's about 20, and he does, you know, like the majority is white grapes, but this one, you know, with the Pinot Noir, but it is, um, like you were mentioning, it's really nice because it has that that old world style to it, and but then you feel like he he did know from the start that he was going to make this into grappa instead of just being, you know left with the leftover. Right. So I think sometimes having a plan yeah, right. <laughs> instead of uh, ending up with what you get. <laughs> uh, and so I put this in my mouth. Um, first of all, it has a, um, a very exotic, it's not a vodka, it's almost kind of a gin smell because it has a lot more phenols in there. Not to say that it's juniper based, but it's definitely more interesting on the nose. On the palate, um, there's some glycerol here. It's round. It's, uh, it's not hot. Um, there's a, a moderate finish. There's a sense of red wine here. There's just a touch of just a touch, just a touch of grape skin, or you know what? It's actually just a touch of burgundy flavor, which is really odd. Yeah, I haven't got that. Um, there's almost too a little bit of acidity here. I don't, I don't know if it's just from my, the the cider still in my palate, but the um, it's very soft. It's generous and it's complex in a moderate way, where you know you're not getting a host of flavors, but it's very ethereal and where you have to sort of mm, what is that. Yeah, exactly. It makes you it's it makes you think a little bit. And I know in Italy a lot of times they'll actually put the grappa in coffee. Yes, a correcto. Uh-huh, that's what it is. That's, <laughs> and so this one, you know, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'd want to put this in my coffee. Like this is one you definitely would want to have yes, on its own. Yes, it's, uh, in fact, it's great straight and at this temperature. You don't need ice. You don't need water. It's uh, tasty. So what does this run? This is a half bottle, 375 milliliter in Clear Creek Distillery, Grappa from Pinot Noir. So this one, we, I kind of included all of the taxes <laughs> that we have in Washington, and it's about $38 Ah, uh, So this is like a fine cognac, and it really is. Yeah. Um, outside of having the oak on it, it's quite delicious. And uh, thank you for sharing this. Uh, I love the, the cider, the Troy cider, and the Clear Creek Distillery Grappa from Pinot Noir. When we come back from this break, I'm going to pour Shelley Fitzgerald a glass of wine, and we're going to chat about it just to sort of, uh, you know, experience her wine shops and how she evaluates wine as a wine buyer for downtown spirits. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. He's live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to 3, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalier, Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. <laughs> it's time for another round, round four. Oh my goodness, we're having a good time with Shelley Fitzgerald, the wine buyer for Downtown Spirits, downtownspirits.com. It's 7th and Denny, um, 1,600 wines, about uh, 800 spirits. 
500 beers and lots and lots of cider. Had a good time tasting the Syncline 2013 Subduction Red, which is a Syrah Grenache-based wine um, with Cunois, uh, Cinso, and Carignan. And then we went to Tablas Creek, which is in Paso Robles, California, with the 2013 Petayan de Tablas. And uh, my uh, uh, great engineer, Kevin, says that Petayan is a, a French slang for um, around the neighborhood. So that's uh, probably uh, crepes uh, from around the hood down there in Paso. And then we tried the Troy cider. This is a, uh, a kind of a wild uh, fermentation cider from old and did, uh, well, got exotic heirloom varieties of apples, uh, lots of acidity. Um, you said that, what was the price of the Troy? The Troy is about $10 retail. $10. That's 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 fun. That's a lot of experience on $10. And then we have this wonderful grappa, which is uh, a distillate. It's kind of like a clear, it is a clear distillate um, made from the pumice or the uh, the leftover seeds and stems and skins from um, white wine or red wine. And this is Clear Creek out of Oregon. It's made from uh, Pinot Noir. Very tasty. You said this was about 30-some. It's a delicious aperitif. It's a digestif. I should say, not aperitif, a digestif. You want this out. <laughs> Right. Uh, and finally, so um, Shelly, I've, I've just poured for you a glass of wine, and I just want you to sort of just go through your, your wine buying process. You don't know what this is. This is a blind wine. Okay. So first of all, I would just, you know, look at it in the glass and know that it's clear, it's vibrant, it it's just a beautiful um, sort of like rosé color, you know, just a hint, like a, a light, like Van hint. Gris, maybe. Yes. So just really light in color. And then on the nose, you get a beautiful, almost tangerine profile. Like, it just, just is zesty. Mmm. Now she takes a sip, ladies and gentlemen. And then on the palate. Okay, now that's delicious. It's very dry, but it does. You get that, that orange kind of rind. You get a little bit of, of like, a, a hint of, like, almost like the grapefruit rind skin. Mm-hmm. Just fresh and beautiful. So this is... You know, this is just a delicious. Is this wine. old world or new world kind of grape? It's got to be old world. Old world, a lot going on here. Yes. It's uh, earthy and, and minerally, isn't it? Yeah, but very clean. You know, like it has just a very you know clean and freshness about it. But it's definitely got to be old world. Yeah, not like that cider. That cider was a tweener. It's like is this old right. world, or new world. You can't tell the cider because uh, a lot going on there. So this wine is actually uh, a wine from Greece, and uh, we had a, um, a great guest, Yanis uh, uh, Lambro, last week, and we chatted about his organic winery on the island of Lesvos, which. Oh, wow. Incidentally, coincidentally, I should say, he mentioned uh, the term lesbian. The term lesbian comes from this island of Lesvos in Greece. Go figure. There it is. The origination, everybody. There you go. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> now we know. So cheers to all of our lesbian friends out there. And <laughs> congratulations on having heritage from Greece. So we're drinking Greece wine in your honor. This is called an orange wine. And it's quite an interesting process because what I understand is that uh, he keeps his fermentation temperature a little higher than typical for white wines because you're, you're not trying to get so much as the aromatics from the fresh, uh, the fresh perspective, but it is still fresh. And the orange color just comes from, I think, a little of that Madeira, that sort of estufa, the kind of hot temperature, kind of a cooking kind of process. But um, it certainly is delicious, isn't it? It's so nice. And I, I wouldn't necessarily have placed it as an orange wine because I know a lot of times with the amphora and with the oxid, you know. Yes. The oxid, you know. They can gets... be really orange and very, uh, I don't know, what is the word, um, viejo. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. It like gets... it just gets like, I don't know. Like, But this one is just really delicate and kind it could almost be passed off as a as a um, Provence rosé, 
but it had just a little bit more depth and structure. Yeah, it does. There's more white wine flavor here, isn't there? I mean, it's really, it's got uh, a longer finish. It's not clean and crisp and dry. I mean, it is dry, but uh, rosé is one of its own. So you have a good selection of rosés? We have a great selection of rosés. All right. Well, I invite everyone to head down to uh, Downtown Spirits at 7th and Denny. Free parking. Um, hours are 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., Monday through Saturday. And then Sunday, you got till 7, sundown, to get your get your wine, spirits, beers, ciders, and more. You've got a lot of good stuff down there. So, Shelly Fitzgerald, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. Um, and, and appreciate that. Uh, hey, if you want to check out our website, I, I invite you all. It's a brand new website. It's uh, Happy hourradio.net. We've got a listing of all of our past guests. Um, it's kind of cool and sexy and fun, and I, I mean that in the, the most sincere way, <laughs> as far as a website can get. Uh, it's happyhourradio.net, and yeah, if you want to check me out uh, in live and in person, I'll be out at the Rosé Revival. Put it on your calendar June 18th. I think that's a Thursday. It's uh, at a Ray's Boathouse, and uh, a beautiful view. You can uh, drink in the sun, drink in uh, the, the view, and of course, uh, taste a lot of uh, beautiful pink wine. Um, well, from pink to orange to red to garnet. Uh, there's a host of all colors there out at Ray's Boathouse. Check out tickets at seattleuncorked.com. That's Rosé Revival, June 18th. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening every Saturday here at 570 KVI at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! Cheers!